Gomez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to a Camp Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast. I think I've said that twice today. If you haven't already noticed, there's a little live interview on our stream, on our uh, Twitter page, whatever, on our YouTube channel. Uh, interview with Charles Watts that I conducted this afternoon. So if you're a fan of Charles or indeed a fan of me, not many people are a fan of me to be fair, but you know, either way, or if you just like the channel, go and have a look. And uh, at the end of today's show, we will be reminding all you lovely listeners how you can win a copy of Charles Watts signed book, Revolution, The Rise of Arteta, or Arteta's Arsenal, I should say. Uh, anyway, that's for later. So do check that out. For now, you're here to watch us you lucky individuals. And who are us? I hear you shout. Well, of course, you know me. But I'm also joined by Danny, the GFP. That also rhymes, which is quite good, isn't it? How are you, Danny? All right? Seems like an hour since I've seen you last. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I've, I've got um, 50% more cats than I had last time. My brother croaked it, and so I've got all of his shit here. So uh, yeah, it's been a busy couple of weeks, and uh, I'm now down to two living family members. So if uh, anybody uh, has got any they don't want, um, especially ones that are useful, do let me know. Send it on a postcard. If there's any financial benefit to it, you can adopt me. I'm, I'm fine with that. If I've, got, I've already got one spongy and scumbag. I don't need another. Oh, okay. How are you? I'm I'm all right. Yeah, Good. I'm all right. I'm I'm a, I'm a bit sweaty. I'm not going to lie, so I apologise. I haven't had a chance to change since since going out for my run. So I'm a little bit moist. I but, went out yeah. and sat outside the front of my house. I call one of my new cats the C word because they sit in front of me, in front of my chair, and I'm pushing them along in front of my chair. And they're just looking at me as if I'm as as if I'm shoveling snow, and they just look at me, and I'm going, "Get out of the way! Get out of the way!" So I sat out there and I thought, I'll go and listen out the front, live in a cold sack. I'll just look back at the sky and listen to the birds. And then some prick taxi driver a few doors down decided his diesel shitty taxi just to leave it running for 10 minutes. Where's getting Grethenberg when you need her? <laughs> Splendid business. Well, I mean, Rich, top that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Mate, um, um, yeah, I've not I've not had any cats that I've needed to to push along or I've not been shoveling snow or anything like that. Just um yeah, so busy busy working uh doing stuff for the NHS. But yeah, apart from that, can't complain, mate. Can't complain. Been better, been worse, it's all good. Good stuff. And almost right on cue, a loud is here. Goes, I was gonna say <laughs> right on cue, a loud motorbike goes past. Honestly, I would shut the window, but this room is a bloody oven. So roll on winter for quiet podcasts. Right. Uh, okay, so we are live. Um, so if you want to come join us, uh, if you're not already here, where are you? But uh, yeah, we will be keeping an eye on the live chat. So if you've got any questions or whatnot, you know the new format by now, boys and girls. Chuck a question in. If you've got a question, we'll try and get to it as we go. And we're here for about an hour. So let's jump into it then. Uh, Rich, I'm going to jump to you first of all. We played last night. 
Um, Crystal Palace 1-0 victory. I tweeted at the end of the game something along the lines of, well, you know, it wasn't very good. We weren't very good. <laughs> but ultimately, the win is what's important. Um, 24 hours afterwards, I, I don't feel any differently. I still don't feel like we were particularly good. Obviously, the sending off we'll come on to didn't help. But ultimately, at this stage of the season, are you kind of a bit like me, happy just to get the points on the board, tough place to go under the lights, etc.? Um, yeah, when, like I say, when you when you throw in, like you say, the the, the intangibles of, let's like, say, you know where you're where you're going, you know, Crystal Palace away is is, is not the easiest of fixtures in this league, <clears throat> especially after they've improved under under old Roy, old <laughs> fighting Roy Hudson, um, you know, and the fact that you know we've we've not got our first choice. Um, uh, uh, centre forward in 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 the position, and we've got you know players that we're and a new system that we're trying to blend in and mesh and work with, kind of thing. It's um, I'm I'm happy to to get the points, just get the points when we need to. I don't think we're playing badly. We're not playing well, but I don't think we're dreadful or anything like that. So I'm yeah, I'm contented at the minute. There's a, there's a bit of an element, isn't there? Of I was listening to, I think it was I think it was Askast I was listening to earlier on, and um, James described us as we're a bit more city-like. Um, I, f- I feel a bit I feel a bit gross saying that because mm. I don't really like us to be anything but like them. But there is that element, isn't there, where we're almost this season so far two games in, albeit, but even in pre-season. I feel like there, whether it's the expectation of the supporters that we, you know, we really feel like we can push this year, whereas last year it was all just a happy ride. There is an element this year of that kind of almost like we're, we're, last year we were kind of like Johnny Five, this year we're more Terminator. Do you know what I mean? There's that ruthless kind of, we're just going to pass it sideways, we're going to get the goal we need, and then we're going to do what's needed to be done, and we're going to get out of dodge. I don't feel like we've properly let the shackles off yet. No, and no, I think that's got to do with, like, say, in part with the the new shape that we're, we're we're trying out and the new options that we're trying to do, but also I think the way the opposition views us as well is different. You know, for much of last season we were, you know, not an unknown quantity, but you know we weren't expected to do what we did. Now teams are much more wary of us and set up much more defensively uh, against us. So you're, you're, you know, as soon as a team loses possession against us, they're racing back in there to their two banks of, you know, a four and a five sitting in there aggressively and in, in that low block. So I think you're going to see more of that, you know, that horseshoe and that, you know, passing and us retaining uh, possession. You know, there was there was large chunks of that first half against Palace where we were just literally just knocking the ball. And it, it was a little bit City-like, which I felt a little bit uneasy, like you, Chris, because I I find I find Man City very boring to watch. Me too. I don't I don't find them entertaining at all. It's um it's like watching some brute strangle someone. It's just. Ugh. Watching like the, the life ebb away out of out of, out of some poor poor sap. It's That's so boring and soulless and horrible. But um, I yeah, so I think it's it's a little bit coupled with that. I think you know once 
once we get a little, you know, a few things worked out and 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 a few things indifferently, I, I think. Okay, sorry, this is a long range, but uh, and I know it's going to touch on at the end. I thought when Zinchenko came on, even in that late that second half, I think you saw a difference even then in that later stage. And I think once he comes in and he gets going again, and we, we've got that extra, um, you know, that extra passer in midfield, I, I think you'll start to see things clicking, and you know, Havart start to 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 go, and you know, Martinelli get released and stuff like that. And I I, I think we're going to build nicely and continue doing what we need to do. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, Danny, you're. I think it's fair to say you're cut from a similar cloth as me in terms of age and miserableness uh misery um what what do you make of this new shape and i think rich described it quite well there like, like the horseshoe i i think it's really interesting that even if you listen to the notoriously uh positive arsenal bloggers youtubers you know charles we spoke about earlier on Quite a few of them are all saying the same thing. Yes, the Thomas Party experiment at right back is working. Yes, we're happy with the point. Yes, it, it's all good. And then there's this but where we're all kind of looking at each other, going, "I don't really like it. Like, I, I, it, I, it doesn't feel right. I don't like this setup." You know, Party is not a defender. He's definitely not a right back. But one thing I noticed last night, especially in the first half probably the man of the match for us being Declan Rice. To me, when we were attacking, he was basically the third centre-back and party was sort of off, you know, into that central mid, between central mid and right midfield. So is it just a, is it just a, an eyesore? Is it just us looking at the formations on Sky and going, oh, party right back? Whereas in reality, it's not really how it works? Or are you a bit like me, the old school? Four, four, fucking two. <laughs> you you a bit like that because I don't know I, I just don't feel comfortable with it I don't I don't feel like it's the best setup we could have at the moment. Well, it just comes back to the uh, the age old football manager analogy. You wouldn't do it in football manager. You would look at that formation. You go right. We're going to play white and white at right back. Gabriel. I don't know if he's got a niggle or it was the the links to going and playing in the Saudi Pro League or whatever it is. But we got Kivior. We got we got. There's reasons not to play that formation. Hmm. But we're playing that formation, and he hasn't had the summer of uh, to, to to trial playing party at right back, and so that's why it's not looking good. And the moment last night when um, uh, who went off from Ben White went back to right back, so I can't. There's a lot of shuffling going, a lot of finger pointing, and a lot of that going on, and a lot of that going on, and witchcraft and stuff. And when as soon as Ben White went back to right back, I thought. <sighs> Well, wow, this feels a bit bit more and more as he gets the board and hoofs and runs down the right wing, which we like to see. It's a little bit like plate spinning as well. You've got you've got Erdegaard and Havertz doing the, the swapping. Well, I'll go forward a bit. Now you go back. Now I'll go forward a bit. And then you've got, like you were saying, you've got the rice and party bit going on. There's a lot of people, a lot of players swapping positions, and all it takes is for one someone not to know and then you go oh hold on i thought you were meant to be covering back there oh no that's my was i doing that job last week who's doing this job this half no that was last half we're just waiting for something like that to happen and we saw against um uh forest we can get caught on the break 
And that's what happened against Forest. We weren't ready. And they brought on a couple of pacey players and said, yeah, watch this. And they went off and scored. And Palace were a half-decent team. It's, it's odd that they've taken out their best player. And they, they are a much better side. So I was worried last night because when you're 1-0 up, that's, that's a, such a, a nerve-wracking score to be up. But I don't like all the players being in different positions. I know what I like. I want my I want my pipe. I want my comfy slippers. And, and I want my fire going nice and hot. And my cocoa. And I want to sit there and I want to enjoy the game. And if any of those are out of place, oh, I'm not <laughs> relaxing. Is, is it... And I'll keep with this question for you, for you, Rich, because I'm intrigued by both of you, your views on this. Is it is it just? I don't I don't want to. I, I sort of joke and say like the old man mentality, but I'm I'm a I'm just a little bit tired of this constant trying to reinvent the wheel. I was I was having a chat with one of my mates at work today, and the the, the thing that we both kind of agreed on is that neither of us are remotely qualified to say that we've got any sort of like the coaching experience of Arteta or anyone at Premier League level, let's be honest, because they've forgotten more than I've ever remembered in coaching. You know, they 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 learn more in their sleep than I do in 20 years. Do you know what I mean? So I appreciate it's not my job and I'm not paid to to do these tweaks. And and if we win the league, nobody will remember right backs in midfield, etc. But I'll is there a danger of overcomplicating it? You know, like this inverted thing, um, you know, you and I guess the the wider point to that is if you want to beat City, which is what I feel like this is leading to, the how can we beat City approach, is there not an argument to say, why don't we come up with the next thing rather than just trying to duplicate what's worked for them? Do you see where I'm going with that? Or am I just being a bit simplistic there? No, no, no. I, I, I do see what you mean. Um, I, I think I don't. Maybe I'm getting the term wrong, but is it the, the when they accuse Arteta of being galaxy brain? Is that the? Oh, that's that, I, think that's what they, I haven't heard that. One. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Well, just you know, like it's, it's that. I think it's that thing of of, of, of overthinking things and overcomplicating uh, things. Um, I, I mean, I don't. I mean that. If it works, that formation that they're, they're, they're trying and, you know, I, I can see the fundamentals of what they're trying to achieve in, you know, you're, you're trying to get one more progressive player on the pitch at the expense of one of the defenders. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so you can get um, one of the uh, progressive players on, on the pitch at the expense of one of the defenders. So, and, you know, I've, I've heard people... Uh, say that uh, you know with the ball Gabriel is uh, although not terrible he's one of our weaker players on the ball so if you can swap him out with a with a uh, say someone like party in that um uh, in that right back position and then when we've got the ball like you said you've got that death and rice can drop back in party will go forward and things can change and you can maneuver the opposition about um you know and it's just it, I, I suppose it all depends on if it works or not, you know, because, uh, you know, th- th- these changing formations is, you know, it's nothing new. It's, you know, going back to, you know, the good old days when Charlie Buchan and was it um, uh, Herbert Chapman did the old change the WM formations and all that as a child, change the WM formations and, and did that, you know. You, you, you then had you know everyone with halfbacks and stuff like that. Then you had like you know wingless wonders, and it just it changes and, and everything is secular and it all changes 
uh, or a thing. But the, the key thing which you which you touched on there, Chris, is the, the, the really important thing is being ahead of the curve, not trying to replicate stuff, but trying to be the progressive person in, in, in that stance and not um, and not copying anybody. It's just it's hard when you're copying someone who has for the last 10 years an unlimited transfer budget and uh in, you know a, a um an avoidance of, of ffp and you know the pick of every 60 million pound plus player in every you know two in every position for the last 10 years is is always going to be hard so i i, I do I do get what you're saying, and I, I agree with you to a certain extent, but it's, it's, it's all about if it works or not. And because at the minute it's not quite clicking, because I think maybe there's too many new cogs in the team for this new um, for this new formation to work straight away. I think that's maybe where the the the, the trepidation comes from, if that makes any sense. Yeah, 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 for sure. And as I say, I fully, fully accept that. I'm not remotely qualified to judge. And, you know, like I said, if we win games, you know, it's it's a minor quibble. Um, it's just one of – I'm just worried. I don't want Mikel to go full pep, you know, never go full pep. Uh, hopefully, anyway. Danny, um, coming on to some of the performances on the night, I want to I wanna start with Eddie Nketiah because he – he he's almost as as Havertz as as Havertz can be in terms of dividing fan opinion at the moment. In terms of that, you get the the player the, the people who go to games on a regular basis, particularly home games, um, are very much behind him. He gets a lot of support. I, I just find that sort of the social media element, which you can never fully gauge a, a, a fan base on, of course, but there's just this sort of. Don't even know. It's almost like that Wenger thing. I'm sorry, he didn't cost 100 million type of attitude. Where w- whether we we just we all want a shiny new toy, but we all want a shiny new forward, which is why there's this element of it. I was talking to you earlier on about this, and maybe we can share that conversation with our listeners now. Where I'm not saying Eddie isn't good enough. I just don't know if he works for us in this system. Do you know what I mean? And it's like. I think we both agreed earlier on in a, in a 4-4-2 in an old-fashioned formation at maybe a slightly lower down club with less expectations he probably fits to a T there's just something about him to me that it just isn't quite right for our system and the difference between when Jesus is in the side and when he's in the side is so marked but even when I think Trossard's in the side it's so so different and yes he won the penalty last night but I think you said earlier on we were having this conversation on another night, those two misses cost us. So where do you sit on this argument? You know, we don't want to slag the player off, but is there a concern there? Well, if you look at Arteta's best 11, he's got his favourite players in, in their best positions. Yeah. So if you're going to take out player A, you need to have the backup for that player who does the same thing. Mm. You're not going to take out the goalkeeper and put in a centre-back. If you're going to take out a pacey, tall centre-back, you're not going to bring in a Martinez type of centre-back who's short and, and and does all the ankle biting because that's not what our centre-backs do. We have two um, types of centre-back and all of the centre-backs must be like that. And if you're going to play in the Erdegaard position, you're going to be expected to go and attack 
and then get the ball and then pick it up and pass it around. If you're going to play in the rice or the party role, which they've both been sharing, you're going to break down pay, play. You're going to get the ball from the centre-backs. You're going to spread it around. If you're in the Jesus position, you're going left wing, you're going right wing, you're going into the 10, you're going into the 9, you're setting up play. But Eddie is playing in the Jesus position and he is basically doing a Giroud. Now, Giroud was really good. Like, you got your shirt out there. Giroud was a, a master at that, and he still is pretty decent at doing it. But we don't play with a Giroud type, which is why Havertz isn't going to go and play for us up front. He did a little bit last night and didn't really do anything. But then if Havertz is going to go up front and, and do that, Havertz isn't going to play in a Giroud way. He's going to have to change the way that he plays. It doesn't seem like Eddie has got the ability. I know sometimes he will drift out left or one. It's left or right, one of the two that he does. But he's not doing it for 90 minutes, causing havoc, making the people, making Saka or Martinelli then run into into the Jesus position in the, up front or the swapping positions of other players. He doesn't really seem to be able to do that. And for me, if you are playing with a certain way and then you take out one of those players and you don't have a direct replacement who plays in the same way or better, then there's going, there's going to be a problem. And that's what the problem is. I'm sure he'll, John was saying in our group that if he played for another Premier League team, played all 38 games, he probably got 15 goals a season. Well, possibly because they play to his strengths, but we don't play football that plays to his strengths. And he's a half-decent player to come in off the bench. But I can guarantee you in 10 years' time, we'll look back at Eddie and go, that didn't really work out, did it? He's uh, He can't really have a backup striker who's going to, who's going to come in for a handful of games, score one or two goals, and then not really do anything for the rest of the season. You can't have that if you want to go for the title. We need to have somebody who's going to come in who's going to be a kind of copy within a certain parameters of what Jesus does, and he isn't doing it. Yeah, I, I, and I, yeah, I feel the same. And it's so weird because I don't think he played badly last night. I just, it's just for me. You know, again, maybe it's an old-fashioned mentality, but. As much as Jesus isn't a 20-goal-a-season striker, he gives you so much more, I feel like, with Eddie, that most of it is the goals. And he, he don't get it wrong, he has massively improved the outside of the, the box and the link-up play, and his work rate is there. And, you know, I'm, it, it's not throwing the, the lad under the bus. I just feel that we could do better, and I think that's my concern with, with We him. don't create the chances for him to thrive. That's part no, of the problem no. as well. It's not just all him. No, no, I agree. I agree. Um, and yeah, like I say, he won the penalty. Um, I, ju- I just I just couldn't get my head past those two misses. The one that hit the post was a bit unfortunate because I think he did everything mm. right. But the one yeah. where he tried to lift it, I just think a clinical striker. But if, know, we, if uh, he would have scored when it hit the post, would we be saying this, having this conversation now? <sighs> probably. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, And that's the thing, isn't it? You know, we got the winner last week. You know, we didn't, nobody really said a thing, but I, I would say that it's pretty much the only thing he did the whole game. So it's, it's really, it's a really tough one. Um, and I do think we are, I think we're all guilty of, of fresh new toy syndrome. I do think there is an element of that because I, I think I'm right in saying that still under Mikel, we haven't signed a striker. I think I'm right in saying. So when he does eventually go for that market, it'll be very interesting to see what he does go for. Um, but yeah, it is, it, it's one that's divided opinion. What about, um, one that certainly didn't divide opinion last night because it was sort of deemed one of his, his best performances, Rich, was was Declan Rice. I've, I felt like last night was sort of, he, he was fine against Forest. He's been, so I feel like pre-season he's just been getting his fitness up. Last night we saw, I think, not glimpses, but I think we, there you go, he got player of the match. We definitely saw some of the reasons why we spent all that money, didn't we? Like his 
his uh, his leadership, his movement off the ball, his willingness to take on passes, you know, long and short distance, just everything about him, his positional play, I thought was really good in the way he dropped into that defensive area and protected the back four. Um, and he said, didn't he, after, after the game in his interview, that he's learning so much under Arteta and the things, limitations he, he didn't realise he could overcome, he's overcoming. What did you make of that? Was that that big standout performance for you that made you think, yeah, this is worthless? Uh, yeah, I, well, I mean, I, it's, it's hard to top the, <laughs> the, the summary you just gave. To be fair, um, but yeah, I mean, like you know, everything you said uh, and more. I thought, I thought he was really, really good last night. You could, you could see where his, his, you know, his, his fitness is, is, is getting back to to, to where it was after you know, uh, you know, preseason and and all that sort of stuff, and his his, his link up play and and stuff like that, and his awareness of what to do and. You know, showing those different aspects of the game. You know, he he was the guy that you know, lovely little through ball for um, Eddie Nketiah that I think went on and, and hit the post. You know, yeah. the, the the his amazing, his brilliant engine and recovery pace to get back and and fill in when need to. But you know, but also that other thing that you know, and I think it's one of the things that we a lot of our players lack, but which he does is that ability to get on the ball and drive with it. You know, there was <clears throat> there was a really strong example of it in the in the second um, yeah second half where he gets on the ball. You know, there's two players around him, and he just uses his physicality. You know, he's not the fastest, yes, but he's not, not slow. That's him improving yeah. his game, and I saw that, and I thought, oh, hello, mm. that's you wouldn't mm. have got that last season. Yeah, so it's it's saying it's. I think he seems like such a good lad and a good character. Like I, I absolutely loved his um, his post match interview on Sky, um, where you know I think he he said he woke up today and he just thought, yeah, let's have it, let's let's you know let's go, and I was just thought. You know, I, I, he he seems so receptible to to learn, and you know the willingness to improve um is uh is just yeah it just it seems really infectious and it just it it, it, it fills you with hope that you know we it's not going to be a <clears throat> 105 million albatross round our neck that this this kid is going to improve and get better and and be the fulcrum of this side for years to come it was i say it's, you could see it getting there it's, it was a really positive step in the right direction yeah, he's, he's an old head on young shoulders, um, for sure. He, mm. he definitely comes across. Uh, woe be it for me to give any sort of praise to Gary Neville, but I did think he made a really good point on Sky last night. I very rarely watch the post-match stuff, but I was just bored and I watched a bit of it. And he was saying that in the clutch moments in the final games of the season, he clutch, is the play, he's one of those mean? players that is likely to make a difference. He's one of those who who will actually give you that extra bit both on and off the pitch to motivate and get you over the line, whereas other players maybe haven't quite had that in. Um, and and this, this is why I always thought the Rice signing was very much the Xhaka replacement, not the Havertz Xhaka replacement. But Gary, was- Gary Neville, I don't want to give him too much praise, but he, he said something before the game that I agreed with. They would, Carragher was doing this comparison between Rice and Keane and Vieira. Uh, and about the amount of goals and assists they had compared to what what he had and stuff like that. And um, I was sitting there kind of not really thinking. And Gary Neville cut across and said, you know, I think that that comparison is wrong. I don't see them, especially not at this um, 
uh, moment in time, like a Vieira, like a Roy Keane, when Roy Keane was young and first first started, he goes, I liken him and, and see him very similar to Michael Essien at Chelsea. And I thought that's, that kind of struck me. And I was like, I, yeah, I, I do see that. And I, I see what the, the where they're putting that that plug, you know, like in the. And I, it this pains me because I absolutely hate Chelsea, but that that Chelsea side back in the day where you had Makaleli at the back, like at the the back of that kind of if you want like trifecta, then you had Essien, and then you had Lampard, which is what it looks like what we've got the makings of at the minute with Party in the Makaleli row role. Rice in the Essien role and Erdegaard in in the Lampard role. All right, they're you know they're not completely compatible and and, and not you know it, it like for like exactly. But like I said, that similar sort of um, thing. And I I thought that was uh, that struck with me, and I I thought that was very interesting um, comparison that he made. Yeah, yeah, I do I do agree with that. I do feel like he is. I just think that behind the scenes as well. I think he's going to be really really important for us and. You don't always need a captain to have an armband. Sometimes you just need a personality to, to have that sort of a, approach. Danny, from your perspective, in terms of if you look look at the rest of the team, I thought the other player that stood out, <clears throat> for me anyway, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but uh, the best centre-back in world football, um, William Saliba, facts. He, the thing I, the thing I love about him is for a guy who's, so big, so powerful, so strong, yet quite quiet. He just exudes absolute chill. Like that tackle that you've got on the screen there where he, he took Jordan Ayew clean out. Um, you know, I know the crowd all went up. Oh, was he taking him out? You knew instantly. Anybody who watched him basically catch up to Kylian Mbappe roughly two years ago now, as I did, and made that recovery tackle. As soon as Ayew broke through, I was like, yeah, it's no issue here. Saliba's catching him. He's just so, so vital to anything we do positively this season and beyond. It it presents both a blessing and a curse, doesn't it? Because if anything happens to him, I worry. Like I'm, I'm not convinced about Ben White as a centre-back. I I'm, I'm just truthfully never have been. I liked him as a right-back because I feel like we get the best out of him in multiple areas. As a centre-back, I'm just never quite sure. And we'll come on to Gabriel in a minute. But... He's just so good, isn't he, Saliba? Like, we're very lucky to have a player of such calmness under pressure. He, he looks like... Uh, when I close my eyes when I'm having a panic attack, I don't have panic attacks, but if I was looking at the football, I close my eyes and I see him in a Real Madrid top passing the ball <laughs> to uh, to Bellingham. I mean, they've, they've reinvented Bellingham. Bellingham is now a 10 at Real Madrid. Did you know that? Yeah. He scored three goals in two games. They, they said they're playing a new kind of diamond formation and he's top tip of the diamond formation. I yeah. think they'd probably be looking at him going, God, if only it was the olden days where we could steal that player and not pay anybody for it for at least five or six years and then throw him a bone after. What a, a wonderful player. And he's the way you can just, if, if you could stop and open up the top of his head, it would be like the Matrix in there as he's <laughs> figuring out every single possible move like some kind of chess grand champion uh, of what the, the player he's up against is going to do. And going, well, if he's going to go that way, I'll have this done. If he's going to do that, I'll have this done. And every time he reads them, and that is a sign of a great mm. player. I mean, that was always, when you got older as a centre-back, what you lost in a yard of pace, you'd make up with your ability to read the game. Now, he's got more pace Mike than most centre-backs. Huh? Mm. 
Martin Keogh okay, was surprised over that. Yeah. Ah, quite true. Um, no, not not what then, not what he said. I mean, as Keogh got older, he was always quite quick, but he read the yeah. games so so he was such a good man marker, wasn't he? That's it, exactly. And if he's doing that at this age, I mean, what is he, 21, 22? I know, some, some number like that. It's yeah. just, just imagine if he stays at the Arsenal until he retires. I mean, I don't think he will do, but if, if no. he did, he'd, he'd be, he, he could be better than more stuff than what Tony Adams did, who's my favourite player. But just yeah. watching him play, and you just know everything's going to be right when he's there. I mean, as much as we like Gabriel, which I know you're going to come on to, Gabriel is a little bit of a rottweiler with a bone, isn't he? Running around headless at times. I mean, he made a difference last night when he came on. Yeah. And uh, he got the captain's armband, which which was nice to see. I'm yeah, surprised they didn't. Yeah. I'm surprised Rice didn't get it. But but it's just we are blessed at the moment with uh, Kivior. Did you see the width of the shoulders on Kivior? There's enough room there for two more heads. He's fucking and, massive, uh, isn't he? We're, we're blessed with a decent bunch of centre-backs after mm. going 20 years without any... <laughs> Well, that, that's my only worry is that we've got so many centre backs who we insist on playing at right and left back, which maybe we'll come on to next. Um, twenty-two, yeah, Saliba. By the way, twenty-two. He's not twenty-three until he's twenty-three, which is how it works. Uh, March. Next Sa- year. Saliba is the best bit of business we've done all summer. Absolutely. Tying him down to a contract. Yeah, him and Saka are the two biggest contracts we've we've signed in recent era. I completely agree. What what did you make? What did you make of the the sending off, Rich, last night? Uh, Tommy Asu, uh, I'm going to upset people again. Um, he's a centre back, like, um, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that that contributes to the the sending off. But to me, whether he's at right back or left back, but particularly at left back, which he clearly isn't. Cue another motorbike. Um, he he just to me he just looks a bit uncomfortable wide like he's built like a centre back he has that stride of a centre back almost like the Saliba type of build and I just feel like as a full back he's just not it like that's just how I and that's not criticism of him because I know he's played there but he, he just is primed to be turned by wingers and that's what ultimately led to his sending off last night the booking um, I don't know about you, but the first booking, I don't have too much sympathy. I know there's this eight second, 32 second thing. The facts are we were wasting time. Let's not sugarcoat mm. it, whether it's Havertz or him. One of them was getting booked, right? But the second one, um, it's just ludicrous, isn't it? And surely that's the prime example of why VAR should be allowed to intervene when a referee makes a clear mistake. Not just for every decision, but that was a clear error, wasn't it? Well, it, it it compounds things when the, literally the a way more egregious foul of the similar type was committed by IU in the in the start of the second half, and nothing was given. But yet, the, he could so not I, wait to whip out. Yeah, look at that picture. He yeah. was absolutely. I was shocked. I was actually shocked when then IU got booked in the first half. Mm. I actually, I actually tweeted out. I was like, "Holy hell! Did did I just get booked? Because that guy never gets booked against us." I think there, uh, there was a couple of games uh, we played against him ago, where I think it was like he had like nine fouls against us before he got booked. Yeah, and then like Jacka created like did like one foul and he got his obligatory booking. Um, it was just it's it it with the the ref. If it was again the other way around, 
if that was a Palace player, they did not get at home. They weren't getting that booking. The ref absolutely, you know, it was a hometown, uh, you know, a home ground um, uh, decision. It was absolutely shocking. It was, yes, he does, you know, jostle him and he does get a bit of his shirt. Not enough to send IU sprawling. And, you know, that, that whole rule, which I, I don't, I don't quite understand that you, VAR can't intervene on a second bookable offence, mm. which again I don't. Why? What? what it's either it's either a clear or obvious mistake or it's not. Uh, what has it got to do with it being a second bookable offence? It makes. I mean, I, I yeah, I just I don't understand. I just I I don't I don't get it. I don't, the, the second yellow card was farcical. I you know the first yellow card. Although slightly annoying because they're going to put the time on anyway. That's why we're having ten, you know, nine, ten minutes at the end of the game. Um, he he had warned us when Party was fucking about with the ball, giving yeah. um, to to Ramsdale for the goal kick, and then Havertz had it for an eternity before giving it to Tomiyasu. Yeah. Um, so I that one I'm less mad at, but that that Chirpal and how quick he was to, to 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 send him off when as I said before when when IU did way worse and got absolute soddle for it. That that's what annoys me. That's what I find egregious and really irritating um with with the PGMOL and, and, and these referees. It's just it it's just no, nonsensical decision. There's no common sense applied to the situation and it just annoys me. That, that's the bit, like you said. That's the bit that annoyed me. It was that it was, it was, it was annoying in itself that he got the second booking. But it, what annoyed me more was the IU one. If anything, like if I had walked and then Tommy Hassan had walked, I'd have gone, all right, you know, it's sort of fair enough. And and you're right. I do. He does. He, Tommy Hassan definitely does make a movement of to grab the shirt. It's slightly to his back. It's slightly away from the camera, so you can't see. But he does clearly have a grab. But it is, it's contact to contact. He's trying to get in front of the defender. And then when Ayu realises that he's touched him, he basically just, his legs just go up from under him and he just, he falls to the floor. Um, and yeah, you know, we gave the referee a decision to make, but I I don't know. I just, I just felt the Ayu one was what wound me up more because it was just so, mm. it was so blatant, you know. And like, as a few other podcasts have said today in their reviews, home teams just don't get red cards for that away teams do and that's the mm. bit that's and that referee by the way was his name coot his face really bugs me like you know when some people just have a face you want to punch like i mean to be fair that's most of the referees but he's just got that smug david no yeah david ellery he has got that david ellery smug no 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 i'm in charge we do it my way who's the other prick who um what's his name the other referee no, I'll stick with it. The other prick. Who's the guy who... Oh, what's his bloody name? I can't remember. I can't remember. He it's not, it's not, the one we, it's not the one we've got um, next week. Uh, next weekend's full on Paul Tierney. Paul Tierney. I think it is him. Yeah, he used to have hair and then he sort of shaved his hair yeah. off. Yeah, it's him. Yeah, He's another one. Uh, absolute, you know, virgin schoolmaster. That's what he is. Like, never seen a pair of tits in his life. And basically <laughs> spends his and spends his entire life going. No, I'm going to read the rule book too now, player. Oh, fuck off now. Nah. I'm sorry. Like you, you, there has to be a way of getting ex-professionals into refereeing. There just has to be because it's just 
I don't know. I don't know. And and I thought I'd Oh uh, yeah, they drip with sarcasm, didn't they? The yeah. only thing is, I mean, it, it, with refereeing, it's it's so it's an absolute thankless task, really. I, I say they, they the Howard Webb and the PGML, they've got a massive job on their hands to to drive recruitment and diversify out of the bloody northwest of of England mm. um, and get m- more 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 referees and stuff like that. But it's 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 hard. Like I say, it's you know, um, I've 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 refed a couple of games before for you know for various of the youth teams and stuff like that, and the abuse you get is just it's next level. Mm. Uh, you know, why would anyone anyone want to do that? But it's just that that whole like you said that that's an old school school teacher. It's not even like a a school teacher that you would see nowadays. It's that you know that absolute sneering kind of arrogant way that they they are about it and for me the the the, you know there's no there's seemingly no accountability you don't hear anything you don't understand anything you don't understand why they're coming to the to the decisions that they're coming to and stuff like that you know i think one of the, the biggest things that 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 they need to do as well they need to mic up the refs um, like like you would at the rugby, um, and you know at, at cricket and stuff like that. But especially the rugby, the, the rugby you had they have a live open mic the entire game, you know, and and especially when they're talking to you know in rugby it's the TMO they're talking to the TMO. You hear that conversation via the live commentary, and if mm-hmm. and if someone in the crowd has got a, um, a reflink radio thing, they can listen into it as well. You can you can understand why someone's come to that decision. Now, I would love to hear the explanation of the the conversation that happened between the linesman and the ref of why Tommy Asu got a, a yellow, second yellow card for that minor shirt pull, but yet, you know, um, IU can be undressing Saka and not get anything. And it's, it's vital that we hear those conversations kind of thing because I think, I think ultimately also it will help and easy abuse they get because I think you know footballers will be less um less inclined to to swear at them and give them abuse. I'm not saying it will happen, it won't happen, but they'll be less inclined to. But also you there'd be some sort of understanding of these things because otherwise as we're doing now it's just all guesswork. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 and that's that is it, isn't it? It's the guesswork element. The the, the one thing I would say as well is if you um I listen to quite a lot of audio books uh, especially on like long runs and whatnot, and I I listened to Mark Clattenburg's um, uh, autobiography, which I will find the name out for you now while I'm thinking of it. Isn't that but, my job while you're talking? Say again. Isn't that my job so you can talk? Uh, no, no, sorry, sorry. I've got it in my library here, so I can, ah, I can very, library very quickly find it. It's called Whistleblower uh, by Mark Clattenburg. I think it's actually a couple of years old now, um, but if you've got a free credit or you can find it via a bay that might contain pirates um it's 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 really interesting because he uh, people may or may not know he went to saudi arabia to referee and then he went to somewhere else i think i think he's in greece now and he works for he doesn't work for espn and he's very sort of like open about everything um and he described the PGMOL when it was first set up. It was under a different, I can't remember there, was it Mike Riley who used to be the head of referees? Yeah. I think it was, yeah. yeah. 
and he he basically described it as just like it's just like a big it's like an old boys club you know like where the the var room's just like full of chocolate wrappers and you know that they're all sort of like slapping each other on the back when they make decisions and it's all very you know matey boy matey boy um and it, it's it's a really good listen and it opened my eyes a bit because i was thinking okay sure there's probably going to be an element of his book that he's slightly exaggerating he wants to sell copies of course he does but i don't think he has any real reason to lie and apparently like when he got he when he got the offer of the job in saudi he was completely alienated by there you go um weirdos squares and snakes is what mark clattenberg described referees as um but yeah and he talks about how one of the referees i can't remember who it was but again listen to the the book he basically said like he went to a game with like one of his co-referees or something and apparently like this referee thought he'd lost his his like little speakers like those little music speakers and he apparently was like he turfed out all clattenberg's kit and like emptied his bag on the floor and he was screaming and like giving him abuse you've stolen my fucking speakers and all this and it turns out that it was in this guy the referee left it at home and like he got home and he said oh yeah i found it now and he's like he refused to apologize and i know that sounds like a really trivial you know trivial story but it just that's what i see as referees i see They're them as never this. wrong exactly yeah it's like mm. this, this ego this arrogance and you know, it's, I don't know. It's just something about how it's set up. And I agree with you, Rich. If we could hear the conversations, even if, if they're concerned about the adult language of the players or whatever, make it an additional feature on Sky. You know, press the red button. for You can have commentary with no... with no You can hear sound effects with no commentary. Make it an additional option. You know, age-gate it. You can undo it with a pin or whatever. Because I mm. think people want to hear it. I really do. And, and I think, like you say, if we understood some of the reasons behind why the decisions are made, then you can get it. But when you see, you know, imagine being a Wolves fan after what they went through at Old Trafford. I mean, mm. you know, and then you've got frauds like Bruno Fernandes coming out and saying, oh, you know, yeah, the referees can write an official apology to me and my teammates. Get fucked, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, that doesn't help when players like that, who are notoriously cheats the whole game, are coming out saying, oh, yeah, I'll take a written apology. But it's not just, just one thing. referee now, is it? There's a whole group of people that decide whether something's um, a foul yeah. or not because you've you got the um, the VAR people, and so there should be even less chance of things going wrong. How, like that one with the Renana. How the hell did mm. they let that get away with it? I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I, I really don't. And and yeah, the Onana one. I mean, it's like it's so clear. Like it's it's just so clear. I, I can't. I genuinely can't understand it. And like I say, if you're Wolves, you know they're they're one of the teams that are being being sort of dubbed to potentially go down this year if they do go down by two points like imagine how they're going to feel after that anyway but yeah it's worth it's worth a listen anyway that book and um you know i think whilst whilst i can understand i do think you know i think tommy has sort of put himself in that position and the you know the time wasting thing i do think we have to get smart with it and i think we have to get smart quick because we, we let's be honest, we're not white of the white. We like to waste a bit of time, particularly when we're one nil up with 10 minutes to go. I think we have to get last, last night when they uh, have it's got booked for for throwing the ball away, and the commentator went, Well, if you're going to roll the ball away, don't roll it towards your own gut, your own end. Yeah, do you, do you know what I would do if they I don't know if they brought this in at Sunday League level, I imagine they wouldn't have done because there's so much shithousery at that level, but. If if it was me, you know, like when they say if you get caught, if you, if you get done for speeding, at least make it worth it. Smile at the camera and put your foot to the floor. 
I would, if it was me, I would pick the ball up and literally just volley it out of the stadium. I, I would <laughs> I'd get my money's worth like all day long. I wouldn't just tap it away. I'd absolutely twat it. Um, That's why I got anyway, caught doing 106. Speaking of shithousery, have, they, have either of you seen this is completely off topic? Did you see Ben White um, coming out of the out of the tunnel? Well, there isn't a tunnel at Palace, is it? Because you kind of walk along the side. But did you see him whip out his AirPods just before the game? Did you see that? No. no. He's literally walking on, like, not just for the warm-ups. He is literally walking out for the kickoff, And just before the game, you see him flick his AirPods out and put them in his tracksuit pockets. I'm for like, real. This guy literally doesn't give a fuck, does he? He's just so... No. He's on his own little planet. But, you know, no, not, not criticising him by, by any means. I just, no, no, I think that's why we love him. Yeah. Just doesn't care, does he? I love it. So what you're um, saying, when anyway. they were coming out just before the game started? Yeah, literally as they're walking out. with the, They've got those presentation jackets on, which have got the zips. And there's a, I can't remember where I found it. I think if you, I think it was under the Ben White hashtag. If you just put in the Ben White hashtag and there's a video on Twitter and you see him talking to Rice and Ramsdale and he flicks out his earpods and puts them in and then you see Ramsdale chuckling to himself in front. It's absolutely bizarre. I'll try and find it. Try and find it. I download all the games. I'm going to find it. Yeah, he, sure. he obviously wanted to replicate uh, the, the Emirates Stadium. He had the, he had Louis Dunford in his earphones just yeah. before, uh, <laughs> just, before they walked out. just just to get the lyrics right for uh, for right. Mm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I'll see if I can find it, and if I can, I will. Um, I'll link you, Danny. But um, yeah, yeah. Anywho, uh, there was one other thing I was going to mention about last night's game, um, Rich. With regards to Martin Erdegaard as well, we will touch on Gabriel in a second, but just want to give some praise to Martin Erdegaard. Um, he took the penalty. Do you read into anything to do with that, that maybe Saka just didn't fancy it or maybe Erdegaard did fancy it? I mean, I, I personally would have Erdegaard every day of the week because he, he I just never I just never think he's going to miss. He's just so, he's so technically brilliant. I just always back him to score. Did you think there's anything in that or just the rotational thing? Um... No, well, I don't. I don't think so. I think he's because <sighs> when was the last time Saka took one? Didn't he take one right before the end of the season? Did I say I know he missed the West Ham one? One at West Ham. Did he have one after that? Since then, oh, I can't remember. But I, 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 I would. There's a bit of me that would prefer Erdegaard to take them. Mm. A because shield and scored. Cherish mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking last season. I've just sent you that clip on WhatsApp, by the way, Danny, if you want to watch it. Carry yeah. <laughs> um, Yeah, I I kind of... Um, I, I'm okay with... And I actually... There's a bit of me that prefers Erdegaard to take uh, the pens just because his technique is so clean. Hmm. And, it, you know... We've Saka. I don't know if it's just because, you know, that, that, the whole forcing and processy kind of thing, you know, because he obviously, he missed that one at, at, at Wembley, bless him, and, and stuff like that. I've never been wholly confident when Saka takes a penalty massively. But when Erdegaard stepped up, there wasn't a doubt in my mind that he was going to score that last night. And I think ultimately, like, that's a big indicator of, of you know, of... of when someone's going to be a good penalty taker or not is just you that aura and that feeling that this guy's got the technical ability that he he's he's going to absolutely put this away and yeah I I, I didn't have um, 
any qualms about him taking that. But when he stepped up and I saw him, I didn't even, you know, kind of go, oh, boy, Saka's not taking it. I was mm. just, oh, Erdogan's taking it. Excellent. Wicked. And I, yeah. I was, I was, I was more than happy, uh, happy from, you know, like they're, they're not always going to be on the pitch at the same time and, and, and stuff like that. So if you've got an extra person who's able to take them pens, you know, why not, mate? Why not? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think if if you've got the options and and you've got a player who's confident of taking them, then yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it as well. Totally agree. Um, yeah, uh, and and for me, as long as it hits the net, I don't care if Ramsdale takes them. To be honest, <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, Danny is going to play you that clip, I believe. Yes, there it is. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> you have to look quite closely, but they are clearly in his ears. It's just uh, oh, the man. What a dude. Absolute chill. Love it. Um, Danny, let's talk Gabrielle because I want to get both of your thoughts on this one. So um, the Salt Bay of Journalism, uh, Fabrizio Fraudinaldo, um, he's he's uh, apparently tweeted after the game that um, Gabrielle is absolutely not going anywhere. It was followed up by by uh, Mikel Atatun's press conference. Uh, no, he's here to stay. He wore the captain's armband. He celebrated two blocks like he won the World Cup, which I love. Um, he, he loves a bit of tackling, doesn't he? He does. He <laughs> does. And you were talking about Saliba earlier on his calm. The thing I love about Gabriel is him and Saliba together. Um, it's just a match made in heaven. It's that It's that angel and devil. It's it's fire and ice. They're just they're polar opposites, but they work. And they have a good on-field relationship. Yeah. Uh, I mean, where do you sit with it? I think we had a question, actually, Phil. We'll bring Phil's question into this point here. Phil Macker's question um, is the worry. If we can't shift the deadwood, would that force the club not to, to sell Gabriel to Saudi to bring the money in? I mean, where do you sit on this? Uh, I'll share my views in a minute, but where do you sit on, on Gabriel? Assuming he is, you know, there's no coincidence that the owner of that Saudi club is in London. He's obviously... I think I think even the talks were confirmed, weren't they? But where do you sit on him staying or or not? He is a if he isn't in the first eleven when you write down your Arsenal team, then you've you've been on you've been on the, the giggle gas or something because he uh, he is such a an important part of our of our defence and that partnership that those two have got can already go down as one of the best Premier League Arsenal centre back partnerships. Um, maybe it won't compete with uh, Keown and Adams or maybe uh, Campbell and Toure and stuff like that. And they're not quite at that level, but they're headed that way because you've got the you've got the, the, the Sol Campbell was the the was the uh, the Saliba one, the the cool, calm, collected one, bringing the ball out. And then you got the uh, the harder one, which was like Toure because Toure was a, a defensive midfielder when he came to the Arsenal. And like Gilberto was another one who was, uh, who was rock hard. You need to have a bit of a madman there and you need a madman and a thinker, but both who can do fantastic uh, tackles and defending and read the game. And they both do it. And with, you can't, no one should be, and our other, the rest of our team should be able to come in and, start, and take either of those out of the team. Like you were saying, I mean, the big worry is Saliba if anything happens to him, but it's, it's just so important that we, that we keep him because if, we, if he comes out, then you're going to go, what are you going to do? Play Ben White? Then who do you play it right back? And then it's a domino effect of take him from him, him from there, this from them. Now that we've got uh, Timbers out for to, at least till Christmas, some are saying the season, Kivior looks good, but he's he's not gonna, he's not ready to come in yet. Uh, although he's, he's a year older than though. I didn't realise Kivior was 23. He was 24 in February. Yeah, he's a little bit older. Holding is is sadly done at the club. Um, Tommy Ashu, well, 
I haven't really found a position other than right back that he has excelled at for me. And, and that's it. That's all we've got. So mm. we can't get rid of him because if you need to make money, then we'd have to replace him with another centre-back unless he's got someone else out there. Well, that that's what that is exactly what I was going to come on to actually. And Rich, my my tweet about it was ninety million pounds in the bank never won any titles or indeed games, and that is my argument. If you're, you know, I get that it's a lot of money potentially because there's been no official bid anywhere, but that amount of money, regardless, you know, you you can't just sell him and say, okay, that's fine, we've got another one because we we haven't got another one like Gabby. We just haven't. He's very unique in what he brings. And it's all right having that money in the bank. But if you then have to replace him, you are going to have to go out into the market and find, you know, even if you assume Saliba is one of the best in Europe, just finding the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh best in Europe. I mean, Chelsea signed Dezazi from Monaco in the summer. And whilst I think he's going to probably come good, you saw how hard it was for him to adjust away at West Ham on Sunday. There aren't many good centre-backs in world football that are either a cheap be young or c gettable shall we say so that for me automatically ticks the we do not let him leave box is that the same for your thoughts as well um yeah i i i i pretty much agree i mean for me it's um it comes down to when and how much um you know we signed both saliva and Gabriel, I think they were, were they both twenty-seven million or something along them lines. Yeah, um, you know, seven and Gabriel was twenty-three. Twenty-three, yeah, not far away. Yeah. Mm. yeah, so you know, it's they weren't massive expenditures, especially the Gabriel that kind of snuck in from that no one saw. And I, I, I you know, sometimes I think you no, know, you, I, I need to do it my myself. Is is sometimes I, I need to unwed myself from the player. You know, I, I, I take it back in, in a couple of years ago when I think Wolves came in for um, uh, the Conservative for like 20 million. And I was like, oh, no, no, we keep him. And then he doesn't play for us and we've now he's gone for nothing. I think if the Saudis come in for like a 90 million bid in the beginning of July, I'd be way more open and receptive to, 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 to making, to making that sell. And that's, and that's no, that's no, um, uh, reflection on, on my standing or my thought process on, on big Gabby. I, I, I love his desire to defend. He's a defender first before anything else. Um, I, you know, I, I cheered on every single tackle and block them and, and every cheer that he made last night as well. It was, it, it, you know, every, that, that tackle, the shielding, um, out from the ball, celebrating everything. It, it got you pumped. It energized us and it was, it was fantastic. And I, I absolutely love what he's brought and the consistency that he's brought to our, our defense and, and the improvement season on season game by game that he's brought, you know, because when he first came in, he was still a, even more raw than he is now. I mean, like, as you guys said, he's, he's still a young guy, but this late in, in, in the window, even if it's 90 million, I don't see the point in selling him now because you've got zero time to, to get an, another player in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's, that's, why I kind of 
I don't think that we will sell him, and I don't think we should sell him. Um, yeah. Not in not in this this uh, instance. You know, him and him and Saliba, uh, as you guys touched on already, have, have, have formed an outstanding partnership. You know that. You know the 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 reader and the destroyer. Those those two, you know, in tandem, they're fantastic. And I I think we'd be poorer um, for not having him in the squad. And I I think unless it's absolutely, I'm talking Neymar from when PSG bought Neymar from Barcelona money. I don't think we should sell him. No, no, I I agree, and I think the other side question to this as well is like Phil put in his in his question there. This this sort of idea that if we potentially don't shift the deadwood, we might need to sell him to you know balance the books. Um, Arsenal are a, a massive business. Surely, surely, before we spent all this money on Rice Havertz, etc someone will have sat down and said, look, what's the worst? There's a thing in, in business, ask Andrew about this, he'd tell you. There's a thing in, in business where it's like critical management review, where essentially you you look at the worst case scenario. You know, if we invest in this stock and that stock crashes, where will our money go? What's the very worst case scenario before you do any sort of calculations? And surely the club would have looked at this and said, right, in the worst case scenario that we can't shift you know, Cedric and Nuno and all these other players, can we still afford to spend X on Y, etc.? Surely. I mean, I just, it would smack of complete inability to manage financially if, you know, if we didn't. So I don't think we're in a position where we have to sell. Um, and, and I think a lot of our players as well that we are trying to get off the books, they will go, but they'll go at the end of the window. Balogun will go. Um I think the fact Tierney is not making squads tells me that something's going on there. Um, mm. We know that Rob Holding's talking to Besiktas. Nuno's got three offers on the table at the moment. One of them is Aston Villa, who I think if they shift Luca Dinia to Nice, which looks like it's going to happen, he'll be very much one that Emery's worked with before and would be keen to bring back. You know, we will we will shift these players. We just you might go and not have a look at fees. Arteta. I mean, Edu's talk whiteboard, and it will mm. say. So first of all, sell. If you can't sell, loan. If we can't loan, cancel the contract. Yeah, I mean, I think the loan deals are a really bad idea because you you just get stuck with dead wood that you mm. literally can't shift, and then you end up having to pay off players like Kolasinac and Mustafi and God knows what else. So I I do think we'll sell. But again, if you look at the market, I mean, someone like Nuno Tavares, we're you know we're trying to get twenty five million for him. <laughs> we're not going to get that, but we might get fifteen. For example, because he is a very sellable asset in terms of his his athleticism and you know the skills he has got, he's very sellable. Cedric probably less so, but if you can get his wages off the book, that's something. Pepe is back at at Colney, and I know a lot of people got very excited about him, sort of tweet or Instagramming the picture of him back. I think he was probably back to negotiate the terms of his exit. For the record, I seven million I, to get rid of him. Well, and 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 this is where the balancing act comes in of the whole we haven't really got cover for Saka if he's happy to stick around for a year and be Saka's understudy is a Nelson cover for Saka well that's the argument but I, people see him playing the other side which again I'm not sure about um 
Also, All I'm congratulations saying is, on equally in Paul Merson's record of 82 Premier League starts. Yeah, that's fantastic. But he, but wow. he's going to break at some point. Like he is five pound uh, China for us, and we can't, we can't flog him into the ground every day. And like I say, I'm not, I'm not saying. I, I think it's very unlikely that Pepe ever pulls on a shirt again. But if the choice is, you know, let him go for free and pay off his contract, or keep him around for a season and, you know, get something out of him, that's the decision that people have way above me are paid to make um and i think probably we will cancel the contract purely on his wages really but um 40 a week yeah it's a lot of money it's a lot of money so i do think we will shift people but going back to gabriel i just for me i think bear in mind i saw him at lille before he even signed for us and the strides he's made from a he, he was a very rash <laughs> center back at lille he's still quite a rash center back at arsenal but he's improved so much um, and physically, he's, you know, he's, I don't think we have another defender like him, really. I don't think we have that. He is your classic fist pumping, you know, all energy, isn't he? I don't really feel like we've got another player like that. So personally, I would not be looking to get rid myself. Uh, right. OK. Um, only other thing I wanted to bring up on this week's pod really was to just sort of go over um, the next game, which I believe is Fulham. Is it on Saturday? We got a Saturday. It game, is right? on the twenty sixth, which, which is going to be a um, murder day. Which is Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Mm. Oh, it is a Saturday. We have a Saturday cool. game. Who'd have thought? Um, it's a home game. A, th- a three o'clock on a Saturday. God, it's as rare as rocking horse poo. Um, Rich, I'll start with you on this one. Do you do you feel like any changes might be afoot in that particular game? And is it? Is it one of those games Fulham seem to be a little bit transition, Mitrovic and all that's been going on. They don't look quite the same side as last year. Is this the home game where we kind of let loose a little bit and and actually put in that performance that people are craving? Um, Yeah, I hope so. I I think the the main changes is going to be obviously necessitated by Tomiyasu's suspension um, with with Zinchenko. coming in for him and um uh I, I i thought you know in the palace game where we were really really under the pump and we were looking really naive and stupid at times stacking the ball away up to nobody and then we made some changes and sinchenko came on just with 10 men the difference in our team when sinchenko came on it was it was quite startling to to see how much that dude improves this side um so i i see him coming in for for um uh for tomiyasu um uh, unless you know i i think that would be a, a good time to bring him in and integrate him in i you know as for the best of my knowledge i i don't think um um fulham are the most aggressive and uh aggressive pressing side from 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 memory um and it's a home game as well so i I think it that would be the ideal fixture to 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 bring him in and get get uh, minutes under his legs as well um see i think that would be the the main the main change and depending on what he wanted to do out wide and stuff like that uh let's say maybe with martinelli bringing in trossard i feel I thought Trossard, he, he was absolutely superb in pre-season. And every time he's, he's come on, I, I, I feel a bit sorry for him 
that he's not been able uh, to get the minutes that his performances have deserved. Um, so, so maybe uh, you know a, a change up, freshen things up in the attacking, in the attacking model, bringing in um, bringing in tr- uh, a Trossard, maybe for Martinelli, or maybe even for for, for Inketia, um up top and, and freshen things up that way, maybe. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right on all those points, especially the Zinchenko one. The ideal scenario for Zinchenko is we get two or three nil up. We actually see the game out properly this time, like we get that third goal. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in recent times, I remember being at the Fulham game with with Jace a couple. Was it last season? I think it's last season. Um, where it was, you know, we won it with the last kick of the game, pretty much. I think it was Gabriel got the got the winner in that game, and it wasn't an easy game. Um, but yeah, in an ideal world, if you can get comfortably ahead, you give Zenchenko an hour, you know, 65 minutes, then you take him off and you integrate him back in gently. Um, like you, I would like to see Trossard. Uh, I don't know in what capacity, but I would like to see him. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this is a game where we, you know, it'd be really nice to sort of see us back to that flowing, our flowing best, if, if at all possible. Um, and yeah, I, I, I sort of feel like Fulham are there for the taking at the moment, but I don't want to eat my words, so I won't go too heavy on that one. And Danny, just uh, another quick random question for you before we wrap up. Have you been impressed with any other teams that you've seen so far? I know a lot of people are very excited about Brighton, and one of them is hmm. part of this podcast. What a fraud. Um, yeah. But he, yeah. he didn't watch the Arsenal game or the Brighton game because he was playing fucking golf. Oh, is he? Oh, wait. And what's that? We should ban him just for that. Absolutely dead to me. Uh, but yeah, Man City are their, you know, dull best. Uh, God, yeah. they, I watched that game with Newcastle. Honestly, it was like pulling teeth. They are so boring. Um, but yeah, they've won two from two. Newcastle obviously started well and then lost, lost to Man City. And let's say Brighton, Man United looked dreadful. Apparently Spurs are back, which is hilarious after, what, two games? Um, any other teams that have impressed you at all or that you've looked at and gone, mm, yeah, they might be all right? Yeah, Man United and Chelsea. It's impressed me because how shit they are. Chelsea has spent a billion <laughs> and they've still got a 20-year-old they bought from Charlton playing up front that none of the fans have ever heard of. I um, did enjoy Chelsea losing <laughs> that, I must admit. And David Man United, between, between Man United and, and uh, Chelsea, they spent £1.6 billion pounds and neither of them can kick a ball. That's what's impressed me the most. Absolute clown show. And it's almost like Potch has gone in there knowing that it's Agent Potch, isn't it? He's going to destroy that team even more. And then someone (laughs) tweeted, what's stopping this Chelsea side from winning the Premier League? And I replied back, well, they'll all be gone on the January transfer window. (laughs) Chelsea gone to Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm not convinced by Liverpool either. I think everyone's just put that in the chat. Um, that I think the only thing I would worry about, especially with Man United, no, I mean, you could probably put Liverpool, Man United, and Chelsea all in this box. Is that I, I, as much as I want to believe it, I don't believe they'll all be this bad all season. Like, something's going to go right for them, isn't it? Like, at some point, one of the three, if not two of the three, are going to be back up there, which, which is kind of why I'm quite glad that we ground out the win last night and the celebrations showed that because. At the end of the day, as long as you're winning, we will. Fi- I think we will find our groove at some point. Um, but at the moment, we're we, we just look like that. That we look like that guy who regularly runs marathons and has just had a month off and just needs to sort of find his feet again. So, yeah, hopefully that will um, that will all turn around. 
Good stuff. Right. Anybody got anything else they want to discuss or are we happy to draw a line today? I think that's about it. About it. Uh, a quick question. Would you sell Balogun to Chelsea? Just for the lols. <laughs> um, no, because it's the what if, isn't it? I definitely wouldn't sell him to Spurs because you just don't sell to Spurs under any circumstances, regardless. But I don't think I would sell to Chelsea because the, the concern is the what if. I know we've bought players from from Chelsea. Jorginho, by the way, deserves a bit of praise. I thought he was very good last night when he came on. Um, and I know a lot have not worked out. But no, for, for me... Monaco is the logical one. They're, they're very keen to take him. Um, they've got a little bit of money coming in, and their striker is potentially about to go to jail, so they are gonna, they're going to need someone. Um, at West Ham, I wouldn't be against us selling to West Ham either. We, we, I mean, we literally know they've got money. <laughs> it would be quite ironic if we took half of the money back that we were well, not half, but you know what I mean. Half? I want a hundred and four million pounds for him. I mean, you, you might get that in, like, 56 instalments. Uh, it'll be like you buy Balogun on Klarna. <laughs> it's kind of like that. But, uh, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be against us selling to a lower-down-the-table rival. The other one that would have been interesting to me is Everton, but it looks like they're going for Ekatike at PSG. DCO so. out again. Yeah, I know. Oh, no, the, the best one of the injuries is uh, new Chelsea captain Reese James. That that was a fantastic bit of fucking business. Injured already? Giving the captain's armband out for two months with a hamstring injury. You could not already. make it up, could you? Reese is not stamping on people like his sister. Well, yeah, there is that, but uh, yeah, um, but yeah, well, look, we went I, the I, entire podcast without mentioning the Women's World Cup, unlike uh, every other fucking podcast. That's because nobody watched it. Um, oh, did I say that out loud? Sorry, no, I, I'm, I, I watched I'm, it. I'm, I'm <laughs> you would that. do, you've got a girls' team. I would have, yeah, <laughs> a normal. I mean, why are Australia hosting a bloody World Cup anyway? It's not well, even that, that's what I was referring sport. to. It was the time, although actually, to be fair, the final was 11 o'clock, wasn't it, in the morning? I think so, yeah, might as well be. Two in the afternoon, that, then I might have watched it. Yeah. I, I personally, I, I I mean, you know my thoughts on England teams, Danny. <laughs> I'm not the person to, to talk to about England. But um, no, I mean, I'll I, I be honest, I don't know. I don't know any of the women's players, so it wasn't for me. But from, by all says, accounts... Avon says uh, Greenwood might be off to Monaco. Apparently, it's a really hard discussion when uh, Man United and that player mutual <laughs> consent. It took him five them five hours to try and make him understand what mutual consent meant. I, uh, so I they, think they... <laughs> I think Avon might be trolling slightly there because if uh, if Greenwood and Ben Yedder were up front, you would have the severe law cases coming out of Greenwood. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the actual prison FC, wouldn't they? It really would, didn't it? yeah. And uh, Lorient have got Benjamin Mendy, so there'd be quite a collection over there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, but yes, uh, I as I say, um, it's, a, it's unfortunate for the the England women. But for what I can gather, or for what I've heard through people who know the women's game far better than I do, Spain were worthy winners. So it they is were. what it is. Is what it is, and, and, and of course they're president for it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A bit cringe, isn't it? Has he got previous Tabas? Hasn't he got previous for being a bit of an ass about something else? I seem to remember Joel saying about it, but yeah. Anyway, less said about my, my, my favorite. My favorite thing of, of, of the final was Mary Earps after she saved the penalty. That giant fuck off, which is now <laughs> going to be my go-to gif 
on everything. Become, yeah, that has become memed heavily, hasn't it? I've, I've definitely seen yeah. that that doing the rounds. Yeah, fair play. Uh, and I did see Knight got in trouble because they're not selling the goalkeeper jersey or something. So mm. it is all happening, isn't it? Um, anywho, right. Uh, we will indeed leave it there for this week then. Um, for those of you who have not been in the streams recently or have not been on the YouTube, etc. Um, like I say, this season we are planning to do pods on a Monday. Obviously, we're doing a Tuesday today because we played on a Monday. But we're going back to Monday pods. And when the Champions League is underway... Uh, we will probably try and squeeze in a Thursday pod that same week because we'll probably have quite a lot to talk about. But yeah, the pods will be a bit shorter this year um, because we have lives. I mean, we do. Danny doesn't, but the rest of us have lives. So, you know, and, you know, Josh has got golf to play and John's got a house to find. And, you know, there's all sorts going on in life, you know. And Jeff hasn't done but, a show um, since the uh, season before last. So fingers there crossed. You go. But, you know, he has got to find somewhere to live. I think that's a perfectly good excuse, to be fair to him. Uh, but, yeah, we, we will we will be uh, keeping it as regular as possible. Um, and if worse comes to worse, it'll just be me and Danny talking shite for an hour. So look out for that. Until you get bored. If you haven't already... Oh, no, well, I'll, I'll try and be here for you. Hey, I, I committed tonight, didn't I? You know, I went away and came back. So Did? You know. Amazing. That's more effort than Josh has put in in a year. Well, the Josh, Josh Not that he'll hear this, in. so it doesn't matter. Josh is the new Chris, isn't he? No, he's the new Ellis. It'll be like fuck Josh. That'll be the new. That'll be the new hashtag. Anyway, enough of this waffle. Um, Thank you very much for those of you in the chat that have joined us. We appreciate you very, very much. We love you all. If you are new to the channel and you haven't already hit follow, why the hell haven't you? And do click subscribe, click the bell for notifications when we go live, etc. And so on. We've got a Facebook page. I don't use it because Facebook's... I, I can't remember the last time I went on Facebook. Good grief. Shit. But if you do, um, then like the group or whatever it is these days. And, uh, of course, we're on the X or Twitter or whatever the hell it's called. Nobody really knows anymore. And as I said at the start of the pod, have a watch of the Charles Watts interview because you have an opportunity to win a signed copy of his new book. And, Danny, how... Do they enter the competition? You uh, send us an email to abercampwonderland at gmail.com and it has to be the date of the very first Charles Watts podcast on his YouTube channel. It's his first YouTube video, not necessarily podcast. And uh, you have to subscribe to his channel because he's a lovely, lovely man. He is. He is. And he's given his time to us twice now. But yes, just like Danny said, has to be an email and you have to be subscribed to his YouTube channel for a chance to win. And he's even said that he will personalise the message inside for whoever the lucky winner is. So good luck to all Hopefully Ellis wins it. I hope he bloody does. <laughs> right, fuck Ellis across the front cover. <laughs> that'd be really want to get Charles to write, fuck Ellis, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> anyway, right, that's enough of this. Uh, I need to go and get showered and uh, Rich needs to check that there's no foxes uh, for the dog to chase and Danny, I mean, I, God knows what you do with your evening. Valheim, you dear boy, Valheim. Valheim, okay, well, whatever that is, you enjoy it. Uh, just always use protection. Right. That has been a Cup Wonderland. Uh, many thanks to Rich. Thank you, Rich, for stepping in last minute. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, always a pleasure. And Danny, you have to be here. So thanks for being here. There you go. And of course, I've been Chris. Thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, keep it Arsenal. And remember, when you're online, don't be a cunt. Good night. <laughs> as soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog.
Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? So I was just eating a full quiche. Well, you don't often see them at him. So when you see them in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on them and bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>